One, turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, please. I think my faithful young men have probably done an efficient job and passed out the outline to you all for Titus 3, verses 12 through 15, as we look at the plans, the people, and the purpose here in this closing portion of our study in the book of Titus. Here we are at the end of this special book, a short handbook of life and conduct in the church. It tells us of our salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel, our safeguarding the gospel, our spiritual ministries by gender, age, and position, our submission and obedience to rulers and authority, our study and sharing in what is profitable and good, and our steering clear of what is unprofitable and foolish. And now, in this portion, the sustaining and supporting of what has been started there in Crete and here in our local church, Northern Hills Bible Chapel. The ministering by various ones among us has been a blessing, and we trust edifying and encouraging to all of you. We come to the close of the letter, but there's no sign of Paul concluding his ministry. He's making plans with a variety of people for the purpose of God's church growing and bringing glory to God through the good works of the churches in various areas of Asia and Europe. Let's have a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this book. Thank you for the study that we've had in it. Thank you for what occasioned it, the growing church that was taking place there in the island of Crete and your establishment of that church through the work of Titus and we'll see of others uh, as well today in the lives of those people. Thank you, dear God, for including people in your work. This could be nothing but angelic work and kind of setting us aside, but dear God, you've been so gracious, so good to allow us to be a part of the work and enjoy the fruits that you have of blessing us with seeing people come to everlasting life by faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of the church being built up, encouraged in their walk and in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that experience personally that we've come to know you and love you even more deeply, to honor, to remember, and to live for you. Pray your blessing upon our time of study today and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the portion that we have before us. That is verses 12 through 15 of chapter 3. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be to you all. First, let's look at the plans, and we're looking at Paul's plans in particular here, and then we'll look at an application of those plans for ourselves and in our present situation. Paul's on the move. He's traveling. We can suggest several places. I've suggested that we have a six- to nine-month period that we're talking about in connection with Titus as far as tasks, topics that are covered in this letter. Paul, Paul speaks of the winter. It indicates to me a shorter period of time, less than a year, 
that we're talking about as far as the scope of this book. To get to the west coast of Greece to the city of Nicopolis, it would seem that Paul would travel perhaps through western Turkey, that is Ephesus, uh, into Macedonia, that's Greece, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Century, Corinth, those different churches, perhaps moving from church to church, encouraging, warning, worshiping, uh, perhaps back to Illyricum, Albania, uh, for more seasonable weather. You had no, I had to get Albania in here. From the book of Romans, we know that Paul had a trip to Spain in mind for the future. So what exactly Paul was doing here, it's not clear, but he's a man of action. He's a man that's on the move. Out of prison, in between probably, uh, not knowing exactly, but in between being imprisoned, and that's what's before him. The plans of Paul that we have here are clear, concise, and compelling. He wants a report from Titus about the churches in Crete and their response to the things that Titus has communicated to them and committed to them. There's going to be a replacement worker that's going to continue the work that Titus has been doing in Crete. Titus is to facilitate the travel of two other workers. In the meantime, between receiving Paul's letter and the arrival of Titus's replacement, Titus is to encourage the people and the churches there in Crete to devote themselves to good works so as to help those in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All of these things speak of energy, activity, moving forward in the plans that Paul has, and through Paul, the plans the Lord Jesus has for his church. One can't help but be impressed with what Paul is doing with the younger men that are mentioned here in this passage of Scripture. They are willing workers, and Paul is challenging them with formidable tasks. The devotional thought for me, and going to this next point, present our plans, what are the plans that the Lord has for us here at Northern Hills Bible Chapel? This is a simple sentence that I have written down, but it's quite profound for me. And I've shared with you just how affected I have been. We've been through a great deal here at this local church over the past five years. Really some unprecedented things that have occurred here at the assembly in these last five years. What's the Lord saying to us? What is the Lord saying to me? What are the plans that He has in mind for us here at the assembly? We are not like the churches in Crete, new church plants in new ground. We are no longer a church plant in a growing, new, thriving community as we were back in the early 1960s. Finneytown in the late 1950s and 60s was the Mason and Westchester of its day. You had junior and senior executives of Procter & Gamble, Millicron, General Electric that moved here to this area. There were a variety of levels of, levels of housing. The school district was thriving anew. Uh, when my brother-in-law, Dan, was here, uh, they didn't have enough kids to fill up the high school. You had to go to the ninth grade. He was always the oldest group. He started in ninth grade at the high school. Then there was a 10th grade, an 11th grade, and then finally the 12th grade, the graduating class. We're not in that kind of environment anymore. We are a mature assembly, over 60 years old, and we live in a mature community. What's the plan? We seek to be faithful in teaching and preaching the Scripture. 
upholding the integrity of the Gospel, teaching the Scripture to build up believers that are in fellowship, praying for one another and supporting one another in times of need and in times of joy, remembering the Lord Jesus in the breaking of bread, sharing the Gospel personally week to week here at the Bible Hour and sharing with others that we know and whom the Lord has placed in our lives in order to evangelize. All of these are noble, spiritual, and eternal, eternally valuable goals that are needed for us to achieve. What else does the Lord have in mind for us in the coming months if He has not returned and taken us home to glory? Again, what is the Lord saying to us through all these events and circumstances? Please join me as I lead the assembly in prayer now for our local assembly. Dear Father, the uh, intensity of excitement that was here at Northern Hills in the early 60s, the mid-60s, and the late 60s, Lord, uh, it was almost palpable. The back of the assembly had to have folding chairs moved into it so that people could be accommodated. There were so many people here at the time. And that's not our situation now. And so we're looking to you for uh, telling us what the plans are. Lead us and guide us. We do seek to be faithful in those areas that you've outlined for us. But Lord, what are the plans? Paul could state very quickly, very uh, bluntly to Titus just exactly what the plans were there. And so Lord, I'm, I'm wondering if what I could write down on an index card what the plans are here. We're seeking for your guidance for the Spirit of God to lead us forward to show us what He wants us to do. So we commit this to You and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue on in our study here. People, I know the plans the Lord has for us here at the assembly and has for all of His churches around the world involves people. How gracious and good it is of the Lord to allow us to be of the part of the plans that He has. God invites us to be a part of the effort of building up the church and of the eventual establishment of His kingdom here on earth when He returns in glory and power. He will be the ruling sovereign in His capital city, Jerusalem. He will need administrators in this kingdom effort that's here on earth. Training days for raining days is what my mother-in-law used to say. Matthew 19 says to the disciples, you'll be judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3, there are two questions that are asked. Don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And don't you know that you're here to judge angels? God involves us in His plans right now so that we'll be ready to be a part of of the administration and the ruling of His plans in the kingdom to come here on earth. Let's look at four people that are involved here in the plans that Paul has in mind and the Lord has in mind for the churches there in Crete. Uh, Verses 12 and 13. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. So first, let's look at the replacement that's going to come for 
Titus. We have two people mentioned here. Let's look at Tychicus first. Tychicus is mentioned in four other places in the Scripture. Acts, Ephesians, Colossians, and 2 Timothy. We have the descriptions of him in first in Ephesians. And here's what's said about Tychicus. A beloved brother, faithful in the Lord. And then in Colossians, the description is a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. How wonderful to have such things said about someone and preserved for all eternity in God's word. We learned some other things about Tychicus as well. He was a part of the bodyguard that accompanied Paul from Corinth across the northern coast of the Aegean Sea, past Philippi and on to Troas, just prior to his meeting with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. It's what Alex Strout taught, taught us about a little over a year ago. Paul's life had been threatened in Corinth, so a group of eight men accompanied him in his travels as he went along. It gives me an impression of Tychicus as far as his build is concerned. I think of more of a burly, rough-and-ready guy who's prepared to be a part of the bodyguard for, for Paul. So that's just my impression of Tychicus. We also learn that Tychicus was with Paul in Rome during Paul's first imprisonment there. Tychicus was entrusted with the delivery of two of the prison epistles and perhaps a third letter as well. One of the books was to go to Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, the other one to Colossae, the book of Colossians, and perhaps a third one to Laodicea. It's alluded to in Colossians 4.16. The people in Colossae are told, read the letter to Laodicea and let the people in Laodicea read the letter that I sent to you in Colossae. So you have these circular letters and we believe that Tychicus is the one that's carrying those letters from Rome there to western Turkey. Paul also says that Tychicus will give a faithful account of exactly what's going on with Paul in the prison. And there's his final thought. Paul says that Tychicus will encourage the people in these local churches. We have one final thought, uh, one final fact that is by implication on this trip of delivering the letters uh, to the Ephesians and the Colossians. Tychicus is accompanied by Onesimus a runaway slave who by the Spirit of God was brought into Paul's life and Paul brought him to Christ and now he's going back to his owner. I can imagine the conversations that go on between Tychicus and Onesimus. A runaway slave very quickly could have been dealt with by the owner and the punishment was death without question. The owner could do whatever he wanted to do to this slave. So, what kind of encouragement and help and support could have been given by Tychicus to Onesimus as they were on their travels? Certainly, in a minimum, there would be the opportunity for Philemon to completely humiliate and punish Onesimus. But there is this letter that Paul has written to Philemon. I ask you to treat this runaway slave who's valuable to me, but now infinitely more valuable to you with the dignity and with the honor that you would extend to me. And you know what? I know you'll do even more. I always enjoy the humor by Paul. He says that you, in a sense, uh, Philemon, you owe me your life. 
Not that I'd mention that at all, but uh, just thought I'd write it down just in case you forgot. So you have that letter. So you have this wonderful person, Tychicus. We can see from the descriptions of Tychicus and the things he did just how faithful, how dependable, how trustworthy, how responsible he was. The temptation in a meditation like this is to say, I encourage us to be like Tychicus. I and I trust we so admire a person like Tychicus with all the character traits, accomplishments, and glowing comments upon him. But we want to be sure to recognize that and realize that Tychicus is who he is and was who he was because of Jesus Christ. If we start to admire the characters and the characteristics of fellow Christians because of who they are and what they've accomplished, then we're missing the point. We owe everything to Jesus Christ. The intelligence that you and I have, the initiative, the entrepreneurial spirit, the abilities and the insights that you have, who in the world gave you those things? We hold a little baby in our hands. I see the proud father carrying his little daughter back there. (laughs) Who knows the potential that's bound up in the life of that child? Everything that's there is God-given. And God now allows us to join in those gifts and talents and abilities to develop and encourage those things. But we give all the praise and all the glory to God if we start to focus on Tychicus or on Paul or on whoever it is. We've missed the point. Everything comes from the Lord Jesus. And it's because of Him that we are who we are. It is through receiving, knowing, and loving, and learning about the Lord that we become who we are for eternity's sake. As we grow in our love and in our lives with the Lord, we will be changed for the sake of eternity. It is my encouragement to us all in the authority of the Word of God Love the Lord with all our minds, all our hearts, all our soul, and all our strength. God does use people in our life's journey. I know the ministry from this pulpit has been used in my life over the years. I know the Lord bringing people into my life has been used for His purposes in forming and shaping and channeling the efforts of my life. So God does use people, but the people are energized and developed and directed by the Lord. Let's always keep that in mind. May we give the Lord Jesus Christ all the glory and all the praise for what He's doing in us and through us as He did with Tychicus. It seems, as we look at the Scripture, that Tychicus was not the one that was sent to Crete. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, This is Paul's second imprisonment now. He says, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Apparently Tychicus was in Rome helping Paul during Paul's second imprisonment. There was need for a minister in Ephesus at the time, so Paul sent Tychicus. That leaves us with Artemis, the other replacement. Anonymous Artemis. Who is he? Where is he from? What did he do? 
We just don't know. The fact that Artemis is mentioned in the same breath as Tychicus lets us know of the quality of his person, his character, and his abilities. Either one could replace Titus on Crete with equal effectiveness. For me, Artemis represents all the unknown, unsung, faithful, able, ready ministers of the gospel who have been the building stones of the church throughout the church age. These folks don't get the billing, the headlines, the public praise, the notice of others. They are unknown, but known by God. God knows the labor, the tears, the love that have been poured into various churches and various ministry efforts by the lives of these workers over the centuries. I know the all-knowing God pays attention to, supports, helps, and encourages all those ministering for His sake and for His glory. Do we feel unnoticed, unappreciated, looked over by others? There is one. That's with a capital O. There is one who notices, loves, and enables all in His family. Praise God for the Artemises in the local church. In the Middle Ages, in a modest French town, there was a duke who decided that he wanted to have a larger cathedral built there than probably was capable by the town. So he set to work, gave a certain amount, and said that at the end of the building of the cathedral, there would be a reward given to the person who had contributed most to the building of that cathedral. Well, cathedrals take a long while. And this particular one took 70 years. Now, that's a modest amount compared to some of the other grand cathedrals, which took a couple of hundred years to complete. Well, the duke was long dead. His family had formed a committee as far as continuing the work the architects, the designers, what we would call the contractors and the builders, they were gone as well. Decades had gone by, and so finally the dedication of the cathedral was to come, and the question was, who in the world is going to get this award? People that started the work, they're gone 50 years ago. And the committee of the Duke's family uh, made some inquiries. And an 85-year-old woman was brought there at the time of the dedication of the cathedral. And she was given the award. How in the world did you pick an 85-year-old woman? Well, She was here from the time she was 15 years old. She guided an ox and a mule cart here. She brought a variety of materials. She came here with straw for the other animals to feed on. She came here with bricks. She came here with building materials of all kinds. And we've discovered that she never missed a day of work during that 70-year period. And so if there's someone who deserves this award, 
It is this anonymous person who is here every day contributing to the work of building up this church. Praise God for the anonymous Artemises in our local church. We have two other people that are mentioned here, and I call them the requested. They're similar to Tychicus and Artemis in that one is known and the other is not known. We learned something very important from these two people in their ministry with Titus on Crete. Titus was not alone in the ministry. We sometimes have this image of Titus being the lone ranger there. No, that's not true. And this verse tells us that. Read verse 13. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Zenus and Apollos were on Crete helping Titus in the ministry there. Do your best to speed them on their way. See that they lack nothing. Let's look at Apollos. He's first mentioned in Acts 18. Apollos is from Alexandria, Egypt, the intellectual capital of its day with the great library there in Alexandria. He appears in Ephesus after Paul has left and gone back to Antioch to report about his missionary ministry, his second missionary trip. He is described as an eloquent, mighty man in the Scriptures. He speaks boldly in the synagogue in Ephesus. He's arguing that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, fulfilling the Old Testament promises. Apollos only knew about the baptism and repentance that had been preached by John the Baptist. Apollos knew nothing about the indwelling Holy Spirit, believer's baptism, the church, the body, the building, the bride of Christ, the rapture, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and many other truths. Now Priscilla and Aquila drew Apollos aside and taught Apollos more accurately the things about Jesus. Now this indicates a couple of things to me about Apollos. He was a willing learner, and he was someone who had humility. Apollos could easily have said to Priscilla and Aquila, I've got gift. (laughs) It's known that I'm eloquent. My arguments are incisive and accurate. I come from the intellectual capital of the world. And who are you? Two Jewish refugee tent makers from Rome, and you would presume to tell me something I don't know. I'm extremely impressed by Apollos' way of receiving from these humble this humble couple, a man and a woman instruction so that they would know the facts and truth about the Lord Jesus more accurately. Praise God for the year and a half that they had under the instruction of Paul. But now they gently brought Apollos aside and they teach him the way of salvation more accurately. Well, now Apollos is interested in using this information that he has this greater understanding that he has of the Lord Jesus. He is not just the Messiah, but he is now the shepherd 
a shepherd of the sheep of a greater fold than just Israel. He is the good, the great, the chief shepherd, the rock upon which the church is going to be built. He is the groom for his bride. He's the intercessor, the advocate, our great high priest and our coming king. And Apollos has learned so much more from Aquila and Priscilla. And now he wants to make himself useful to other local churches. And so he writes a letter, a letter to the folks in Achaia or Greece. And he's invited to come over. And this is what is written by Luke in the book of Acts about the ministry of Apollos. When Apollos arrived in Greece, he greatly helped those who, through grace, believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ, the Messiah, was Jesus. What a marvelous affirmation of someone's ministry. Apollos was so effective in Corinth that some of the people started to follow him. There were divisions among the Corinthians about who they preferred in ministry. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, there's quarreling among you. This is Paul writing to them. There's quarreling among you, brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Christ. Paul then says in 1 Corinthians 3, when one says, I follow Paul, or another says, I follow Apollos, you're being merely human. What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul now further writes, Let no one boast in men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. You are all Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is how you should regard us. When he says us, this is how you should regard Apollos, myself, Peter. You should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And a little later in 1 Corinthians 4, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. Paul puts the abilities of Apollos on a par with himself and Peter. Apollos is described as a servant through whom you believed. Paul says Apollos should be regarded as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. What a minister of the gospel was Apollos. And now, ten or so years later, here is Apollos on the island of Crete helping with the ministry among the believers in the churches there. How encouraging the ministry of Apollos must have been for Titus as he has been charged with silencing, plugging up the mouths of deceivers, empty talkers, unbelievers that are upsetting whole families. What a great job Apollos must have done at this, at this difficult task. But like Tychicus, we want to make sure Apollos is known as who he is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of who Apollos is, but because of what Jesus Christ has done through him. But now he's leaving. He's just not leaving. He's been told by Titus, speed Apollos on his way. Get him going and get him going quick. Not just Apollos, but also Zenos the lawyer. What do we know about Zenos? I'll start with this fact. Zenos is the only Christian lawyer mentioned in the New Testament. 
We can make of that what we will. When and where was he saved? What have his other ministries been? Is he a Jew or a Gentile? We don't know. We do know that he is studying in his life in order to be a lawyer. We do know he was with Apollos on Crete, participating in the ministry on that island. We do know that Zenos was valuable and needed and apparently urgently needed to speed them on their way. I've always thought that Paul needed Zenos, the lawyer, in connection with Paul's legal battles that were taking place in Rome. That Paul wanted to have the very best advice he could get and that Zenos was the one that was available in anticipation of perhaps further trials that Paul would go through there in Rome, legal trials, or perhaps if he would be imprisoned again to have legal help from Zenos. That's always been the impression I've had. Zenos, like Artemis, is one of those precious believers appear in the light of history and then disappear from the written word, but whose lives are known, watched over, encouraged, blessed, and treasured by God. God having His people in His places that He needs at His time. Zenos the lawyer was such a man. I think of my mother-in-law. She had a burden for having a women's class in downtown Cincinnati. There had been a successful class in ministry here at the chapel at Northern Hills from the late 60s. I'm talking about Betty, Betty McGeehee. And what she was looking for was a ground-level auditorium where women wouldn't have to take escalators and elevators to go up to a larger auditorium that might be available. And she found one there on the first floor there on Walnut Street, uh, 4th and Walnut. Beautiful little rounded area. It's no longer in existence. They've remodeled the building. And so she prayed about it and she discovered that it was owned by the bank building that was there. And she discovered that the owner of the bank was Carl Linder III. Betty had had a Bible class in Betty Lindner's home in Indian Hill for a number of years. She knew Carl personally. And she went up and with some other ladies, <laughs> the gang of four, Maria DeRozzi was among them. <laughs> so they went up to Carl's office and knocked on it, all of them just meek and mild. Oh, ladies, come in and sit down. Carl couldn't have been any more gracious. They said, uh, could they have the auditorium for the use of a women's class? The auditorium held about 120. And so Carl called his secretary and immediately said, what's, what's the days and the uses of that auditorium at lunchtime? So she looked through there and she said, he said, well, let's block out Tuesdays for the next five years. <laughs> and there it was from 11 to 1.30 every Tuesday. There was a women's Bible study there in downtown Cincinnati. God has His people in His places for His purposes in His time. Well, we looked at the people. Let's look at the purpose. The purpose of all this planning activity and people involved in the activity is made plain for us with these few words. Devote themselves to good works. Titus is to provide a good example for the believers on the island. Titus is to send off Zenus and Apollos speedily, seeing that they lack nothing. 
Now Titus could have thought to himself, it's awfully nice having Zenos and having Apollos here helping me out. I sure would like him to stay for a while. God has his plans and he urges people along. I see two people here I wish God had left here in Cincinnati. But God has his plans and so I don't know that we urge the Grahams along, but we let them go anyway. God has his purposes and his plans for his reasons. See that they lack nothing. There's the practical help that Titus was to give to Zenos and Apollos. Travel expenses, if you will. There's the care by the Lord's workers, by the Lord's people. It is what we do. How thoughtful and how thorough our business meeting is with such needs by visiting workers. And how thankful we are for their care. We're looking forward to having visiting missionaries with us for our missionary weekend later this April. Their travel plans are fully taken care of with care and concern for them by the deacons. The living needs has been taken care of by families volunteering to keep these missionaries here while they're ministering to us at Northern Hills, providing hospitality for those families. Titus provides a living example for the churches. My parents had missionaries into our home many times when I was a kid. I remember so well because I always lost my room to the missionary. Abe's parents had missionaries and speakers in their home often. The McGeehees had missionaries in their home a great deal of the time. Many of you have had this practical ministry here. I encourage you to consider in the months and years to come to have these missionaries into your homes, seeing that they lack nothing. Pray about this ministry. It will be a blessing for you, for your home, and for your family. There is a link between Titus's care for Zenos and Apollos and the instructions for the Christians there in Crete. Let's read uh, 13b and 14. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. You see, Titus, as you do this, sending Apollos and Zenos on their way and make sure they don't lack anything, the people will see by that to learn to devote themselves to good works. You providing the the example, others will learn from that example. And so that's why Titus is doing this, to be an example to those. They are to learn to devote themselves to good works. Be in the habit of, let this govern and guide you. Be noble, beautiful, praiseworthy, praiseworking in your undertakings and actions. Good works. Now, I want to say, uh, I've had a saw that I've gone back and forth a number of times with here as far as my ministry in the book of Titus, and that is to make sure that good works are completely separate from the issue of salvation. And Titus does a good job of that too. But we believers don't shy away from the thought of what good works are and the fact that good works are to be a part of our Christian lives. In fact, they will come. Good works are not any part of salvation, but they will result from our salvation. They have to. We have a new life, a new eternalist perspective, a new set of values, a new home, a new Master and Lord to whom we direct and orient our lives, Jesus Christ. Good works are mentioned throughout this letter. In chapter 1, verse 16, it talks about empty-talking unbelievers unfit 
for any good work. But in the treasure passage in 2.11 to 14, the grace of God that brings salvation to all has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Whenever I read peculiar people, I always think of Bob Bruce. Bob Bruce said, how happy I am that God said he he calls us a peculiar people. (laughs) But a people zealous of good works, desiring good works. In 3.1, believers in Creed are reminded to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work. In the other treasure passage that A.B. taught us from last week, it says, when the kindness and goodness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who He poured out among us richly through Jesus Christ, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want to insist on, on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And here in this passage, let people learn to devote themselves to good works. There's no reluctance about talking about good works or encouraging us in good works. What we will not do, what Titus is urged not to do, what the Holy Spirit makes specific here is, your good works have nothing to do with your becoming a believer. All of that good work was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. You cannot contribute to it. You must just place yourself abjectly before God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And then God graciously, by the washing and renewing of the Spirit of God, brings us to new life. And with that new life comes good works. Where there is life and there is health, there is growth. And that will be true of us as believers. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives us a brand new life, a spiritual life, a Christ life, a life that will last forever, a life that is bound for a new home. And we live our lives in light of these new things, for God's glory. The good works will appear. This will be such a terrible example of this. I had a doctor's appointment uh, three weeks ago. I knew I'd have to stand on the scale. I knew I had a month to make improvement (laughs) in those numbers. I lived my eating life in light of standing on that scale. Boy, was I happy. (laughs) Now, oh, should I give you the awful details? (laughs) The doctor was pleased. She said, Phil, you know, this is really a good weight for you. This is just exactly where you need to be. And I was really thankful. But I had lost that weight during during the previous six weeks in light of what I was going to do. 
okay, such a such a trivial example. I'm going to be giving an account in glory. that motivates me, that changes the priorities of my life, that adjusts how I use my income, that prescribes the schedule around which my life is built. My Sundays and my Wednesdays, those are all completely reserved. because of the choices that I have made as far as my life is concerned in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and His people. Again, uh, I'm being, I think, quite trivial here. It is God taking a new life and orienting the direction of that life. And the good works will appear. It's the set of the sail, not the force of the gale, that determines which way I go. In this closing uh, to the letter, people are told to help in cases of urgent need. And those do come upon us. Paul wants to be sure the believers are aware of their opportunity to use good works in urgent need situations. May this be an application for us here at Northern Hills in various circumstances. Dear ones, we have urgent needs. Look for them. I always go back to the teaching by Joe Periel from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then, Joe led us into that marvelous 10th verse, for you are His masterpiece. You are His grand, beautiful poem. He is forming and shaping us, created unto good works for Christ Jesus. God's working in you and me in making us His masterpiece. Please notice what it says here, this little word here in verse 14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. This was pointed out to me by a dear sister. Oh, how precious the thought. Our people. Do you remember how Cretans were described earlier by the poet? Cretans. Lazy. Gluttons. Beasts, liars. And now here is what Paul says about these believers, these Cretan believers. They're our people. Thank God for the preciousness, the wonder of a changed life because of Jesus Christ. May I appeal to you frankly, I need your help in regards to the plans and people that God has for us here at Northern Hills. I believe we leaders, we elders and deacons need your thoughts, your perspectives, your suggestions and your ideas about how 
to execute God's plans for God's people, for God's purposes here at Northern Hills. We all need each other's help in this effort. I'm an older man. Now, I've tipped my hand just a bit there. Did you notice I didn't say I'm an old man? (laughs) I'm an older man who's a leader here. I'm older. I appeal to you, dear ones that are younger than me. We need to have you let us know about your needs, desires, hopes, plans, and challenges. Please, dear younger people, couples, singles, we need each other's help to make God's plans for God's people, for God's purposes here at this assembly. I'm a man. Dear women, dear young and older women, how I need your wisdom brought into my life and thinking. In Proverbs, wisdom is described in the feminine as a sister. Dear sisters, your wisdom, your perspective, your insight, thought, your intuitiveness, your relational sensitivity are all needed. Please, dear women, We need each other's help as we discern God's plans for God's people, for God's purposes here at Northern Hills. As an elder, a leader, I need your help. I hope you aren't shocked or surprised or perhaps even dismayed as I would make this admission and appeal to you. After all the instruction we have had from this little book, Titus, I hope that we realize we have the need for all of us to join together in our local church to accomplish God's agenda for His local gathering of believers here at Northern Hills. May the Lord guide, lead, and encourage us and bless us as we go forward. Let me finish with what Paul finishes with here. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be to you all. May God bless his word. Let's conclude in prayer, please. Dear Father, what an undertaking. Titus, and then I think it's Artemis, And then those that followed had for themselves there in Crete a culture that wanted nothing to do with Christianity. But dear God, by your grace, new life came to that that island. (laughs) Lord, I've seen blades of grass growing out of brick walls. The ability of the gospel to penetrate into people's minds and hearts, it's still is in existence and works today. So we would pray, dear God, for souls to be saved, for individuals and families to be encouraged, for us to be strengthened in the Lord, and for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to be advanced here among us. Lead us, dear Father, we pray in your plans 
As you had plans for Crete, we believe that you have plans for us. Guide us, we pray, and commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.